Chit Chat Chicks. Today you'll be listening to Edie uh, and her good, good friend, Sharon, an honorary Chit Chat Chick, who will be regaling us with part two of the Laura Ingalls Wilder series. So sit back and enjoy. But first, uh, having wanting to get my two cents in as well, and I've been missing podcasting for the last week or two, I wanted to give you a few tips about living life like you're on the Little House on the Prairie. So listen in and uh, hope you enjoyed the entire episode today. And uh, Edie and I will be back next week, just the two of us, though I know you're going to miss Sharon because she has been a fabulous co-host. We're the Two Chit Chat Chicks. It just so happens that I found this article called Live Like Little House on the Prairie by Melissa K. Norris. And uh, actually, this is her, this is her website. And um, the article is called Eight Ways to Live Like Little House on the Prairie, Frugal Living, Homestead Life, Lifestyle. So I'm going to do a little riffing on this as the tip or trick for today. So her first tip is cook from scratch. And, you know, I couldn't agree more if I had a garden in my backyard and if I weren't working full time and if I were, if I had sharp knives, etc. So, yes, you know, come on, cook from scratch when you can. But let's be realistic, folks. We don't all have it in us and we don't all have every minute of the day to do it, etc. So, yeah, when you can and if you love to do it, please do cook from scratch or order from people who cook from scratch or start a, you know, a cooking from scratch, uh, what do you call it, club. It's not the right word, but, you know, where you take turns cooking from scratch. Absolutely. Okay, tip number two from Melissa is grow a garden. Um, And she says, growing your own food doesn't have to take acres and acres of land, as Edie knows, because she does a lot of container gardening, uh, uh, and she has also basil on her windowsill, etc. So uh, Edie is a great one to talk about growing a garden. I have loved all of the gardening that I've done in my life. In my in my life, I grew up gardening. Uh, we had acres of garden growing up, and I actually I can't say that I've loved it entirely because it was a lot of work growing up, and you know we spent a lot of time in our summers and springs uh, hoeing and weeding and 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 also. Uh, reaping the crops so yes but there is so much joy in seeing your own vegetables grown and enjoying the bounty of them and using them uh, when you cook from scratch so all over that when it's possible i will be moving out of beijing next year and as soon as i get back to canada i will be growing my own garden but i don't even have a outdoor space at the moment so for me not quite feasible yet but it's coming up Okay, how about this one? Number three, preserve your own food. Um, Again, I don't have my own food to preserve, so (laughs) 
Maybe one of these days. My mother grew up, can I grew up with, with my family. We canned and froze most of our own food. We grew our own food. We did everything. So we did live very much like Little House on the Prairie, including heating much of our house with a Franklin stove and um, yeah, getting the wood, chopping the wood every day after school and gathering the eggs, etc. So I am not... Um, I am not inexperienced in this area, but I am um, un unschooled in the last 40 or so years. So <laughs> to get back to it could be a could be a bit of a challenge. But I'm you know, I'm, I'm open to the idea of it. And I and I do love the idea of it. So, yes, preserve your own food. Love it. OK, how about stock the basics? She writes, when Laura and Pa went to town for supplies, they didn't grab this or that and have, and have aisle upon aisles of food to pick, though I'm not convinced all the food on store shelves today is really food with all the chemicals in it, says Melissa. They stocked basic items they could make multiple meals from, like salt, oats, sugar, and coffee. Well, let me tell you, I am a girl of... Uh, more than one pandemic. Uh, this last one wasn't my first rodeo. I've lived through SARS and the swine flu. So yeah, you know, I am, <laughs> I have for the last 20 years stocked up on the basics and I always will. I'm not an apocalyptic kind of uh, hoarder person. I don't have that belief system, but I, I like to have what I need in the house. In the event that I get locked in, and that has happened to me before, uh, and if you don't know about that, you can re-listen to some of our old podcasts to listen to some of my COVID crises uh, in the last several years. Okay, how about this one? Dry your clothes the old-fashioned way. Well, again, easy for me because guess what? We live in China and most people do not have dryers. So we have drying racks and we also have these cool things that we uh, hinge down from the, from the ceiling in our enclosed balcony where we hang our clothes from. And uh, yeah, nothing ever shrinks. My actual paranoia is when I come home in the summers, when I'm able to, when I'm at my sister's place, for example, and we inadvertently put things in the dryer that have never been in the dryer, things we love, and they are shrunk forever. So, <laughs> but that said, nothing beats having your clothes out on the line outside, right? Love doing that when um when we have lived for periods of time in the states and canada that is truly the best so right now you know we're still drying our clothes inside and in the winter now winter's done but during that time we'd actually have like plugger pluggers heaters plugged in to help uh you know speed up the drying of the clothes and then there's a whole lot of ironing to be done afterwards as well so <laughs> drying your own clothes the old-fashioned way is not always uh the e well it's never the easiest way but it can be very satisfying especially if you can do it outside with wooden clothes pegs okay uh six raise your own chickens <laughs> Okay. Well, again, I live in Beijing in an apartment, so no, can't do it. Have I raised my own chickens? Yes, my family grew up. We grew up raising our own chickens and also killing our own chickens for meat. Um, a few times a year we would do that. Um, 
the experience of beheading a chicken next holding the chicken by the by its going to say its paws i i've uh, i'm losing my touch with podcasting what are the things called its legs you know and dunking it in a tank of boiling water and then plucking it and eviscerating just all much of a nasty business so raising your own chickens for eggs yes sure been there done that 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 i can approve of um raising your chickens for meat and also taking care of the the business of killing them let's be frank uh not so much how to butcher chickens there is a link in this article on how to butcher chickens and i plan not to read that because i already know <laughs> number seven tip learn to cook without power Laura, Mary, and Ma all cooked on a wood stove or open campfire while traveling over the prairie. Having these skills is essential during a power outage and brings your variety of foods around the campfire to a whole new level. For whatever reason, growing up in Greendale, BC, just outside of Chilliwack, we often had power outages, and my grandparents across the street actually had a wood-burning uh, stove like we had the franklin stove in our house but they actually had a real stove that used to be in their house that they moved into their garage and we loved cooking on that stove uh, when the power went out they had brought in a a sofa into their garage as well and so i remember many a meal that was cooked probably not by me maybe i helped a little bit but cooked by my mom and my oma uh over over the the stove in the garage that was quite fun next to the vw beetle <laughs> and um yeah my my sweetheart tends to cook the meals over the fires that we have when we go camping so i love to engage and watch and semi participate in cooking without power i like the way the food tastes let's say that okay here is the last tip from Melissa K. Norris, and that is wear an apron. And she says, seriously, all pioneer women wore an apron. One, to use as a built-in potholder while moving hot dishes. You see, I never even thought of this because I do not wear an apron. Um, so for, while moving hot dishes from ovens or, other, or over open fires. And two, they usually only had two or three dresses and an apron helped keep them cleaner and made them last longer. Three, there's a three, an apron served as a second set of hands with its pockets. Brilliant. Um, my sister wears an apron. My brother-in-law, Carl, always wears an apron. They're always apron clad in their house. It's fabulous. Nicole even has made aprons for my daughters. <laughs> if she's ever made me one, I've never worn it because I just get stained and I don't cook often enough. So. There you go. These are the eight tips from livelikelittlehouseontheprairie.com. You can find it, enjoy the article, and now over to Sharon and Edie to continue their discussion of the Laura Ingalls Wilder series. It's time for Campfire Chat. All right. 
Um, Sharon, so the next book is By the Shores of Silver Lake. Yes. And we were talking how this is a book that we do did not revisit a lot as um, kids. No. Though no. we did, we were at Silver Lake and we did go into the surveyor's house. And, yes, we But did. I had a hard time, like really, it wasn't like on the banks of Plum Creek where no. we were like, oh, here's the rock and, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't enjoy that book as much as a child, but you have brought up some thoughts about it, you know, that I think maybe that I wasn't quite old enough to appreciate it. I mean, this was such a turn for the family. Mm -hmm. Um, It involved the railroad, the building of the railroad. Um, And the Ingalls, like they got a job, a job, um, staying in the surveyor's house through the winter. Mm -hmm. And there's all these people who are coming out West and they were hospitable in letting them come in, but they were going to eat all the food. Oh, yes. So then Ma, like, set up a whole business where uh-huh. they were charging everyone oh, yeah. to sleep and eat. Yeah, it and was then a boarding house. A boarding house. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But, but it was constant. They were just, like, working around the clock because mm-hmm. these people would come and go and cleaning. Mm-hmm. And I think, if I remember right, Pa had to leave for another job. Yes, he did. And left ma there with these men men these are men strange men wasn't little families coming through with with her daughters running everything yeah which i find appalling (laughs) today you know that he would have left her there for one to do all of the work but you know a, a real danger to his family think of what could have happened to them i know ma like we're gonna have to just Zero in on Ma one of mm-hmm. these days because she was so tough. She really was. You know, we look at Laura as the hero, the heroine, but maybe it was Ma. Maybe, yeah, very likely it was. I would have lost my ever-loving mind. Mm-hmm. And some, <laughs> some women on the prairie did lose their yeah. minds. But that takes that, us to the last. Book. That takes yeah. us to the last mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, one. Part that I do remember reading as a kid, and I would um, skip to it because I love the illustration of it, is Laura gets a break in the um, afternoon, and she gets to go bareback riding right. with her with her cousin Lena. Mm-hmm. And Lena shows her how just to jump on the horse and grab the mane, and they just Laura's like, "Oh, it's going to go so fast!" And Lena's like, "Well, who cares? We're mm-hmm. on the prairie." And mm-hmm. that's what they did. They would scream and yell. And I think this is the first time that. That Laura was allowed. Ma had a pretty tight rein on her, and mm-hmm. she was raising young ladies out in this wilderness. But I think this was the first time that Laura really got to kick loose and just be a kid. Be a kid in that freedom from mm-hmm. the description she had was so happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, her braids would be flying or exactly. Oh. Exactly. And who cares if she had the sun bonnet on and was getting sun Yeah, because yeah. Ma was cooking for the next yeah, group of railroad group. Exactly. people. Exactly. I would recommend people reread that because if you haven't read it since you were a kid, because I think you'll just pick up a lot of interesting mm-hmm. tidbits. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even like the word tidbits, but I just used it. Isn't that the book where uh, Mary becomes blind? Um, she... She is blind um, at the beginning of On the Banks of Plum Creek because Laura has to lead her into the dugout. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, there's to be another reason why, you know, Paul leaving. I mean, his, his daughter, one of his daughters is blind. 
leaving the family. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because Mary didn't, you know, before she went to the college for the blind, she couldn't really help out with no, a lot of things. No, she really couldn't. She her helped, life was very, very small. Like in her rocking chair, she would mm -hmm. entertain the um, little girls with yeah, stories. exactly. Leaving Ma and Laura to do the brunt yeah, of everything. Of chores and things. Yeah. I, I have a lot of anger towards Pa. I do, too. You know, he... Laura did. He has been portrayed as being this, you know, wonderful man, and I, but I playing the fiddle and yeah, sweeping up the. I and think he's he made very very poor choices for that family. Very mm -hmm. poor choices. Ugh. And it's, a lot of it was to just to fulfill his dream. Yeah, his manifest we were destiny. All, we were always following his dream. I did not think of that as a child reading these books. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Oh, of course, I did too. It's, you know, as a mother, like looking back, like, yeah, oh, oh, boy. Boy. oh, boy. No thanks, Charles <laughs> Ingalls. <laughs> Go on your own merry way. Oh, Sharon, oh. do you see what book is next? What book is next? Oh, the Long Winter. <laughs> oh, this book. Oh, it is our both of our favorite books. It is. Mm -hmm. It is our very favorite. And you know, it is such a sad story. And it is a re real piece of of the history of Eastern South Dakota because there was a winter and mm -hmm. it was at the time that the Ingalls were living there that was so horrible that uh, the train stopped, mm -hmm. and whole communities were left without any incoming supplies. And, you know, uh, communities at that time had become reliant on the radio, uh, on the railroad. The train, yeah. Yeah, and they were not entirely self-sufficient. And um, this is what the whole story revolves around, this horrible, horrible winter storm. And I will say... Having spent my first years on South Dakota Prairie, my dad used to keep a shovel inside our front door because the winds would blow the snow so hard packed and in such deep drifts that he would have to dig us out some mornings. Now, so, Sharon, would he have to hold on to a clothesline to get <laughs> to, to the, the garage <laughs> to get into his car? <laughs> Did that happen? No, because the garage was attached. Okay. <laughs> so I'm wondering what our favorite scenes were, but I'm also wondering why is this our favorite book? Like, why? It's a book of survival. Okay, yeah. And I think Laura comes out as such a heroine in this book mm -hmm. in so many ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, she she ends up taking on a lot of the 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 tasks that the family, and, and I will say Pa did come through here. Yeah. Um, but she worked alongside her Well, father. they wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Pa. Oh, that's true. That's true. But, you know, yeah. we could well, circle back to You're that. You're not going to give him any credit. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they had to twist hay into sticks. And those straw. Hay, that would straw. just be like, yeah, that would last yeah. like eight seconds. To, to burn, because yeah. they, they had no wood. There was no wood in this horribly, brutally cold winter. And they were they were burning straw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. And they were eating those potatoes. They would each get one potato. One potato. 
And then remember the mill, the coffee grinder? Yeah, they were grinding uh, what little grain they had to make, to make bread. bread. Mm -hmm. And then who can forget, who can forget, Sharon, the button lamp? Oh, the button lamp. They had no light. And so mom made a button lamp. Out of lard or something. Yeah, lard and a button and a piece of cloth. Yeah. I always wanted to try making Well, the directions lamp. are online. Oh, are they? Yeah. Have you tried? Uh, no, I looked at it, though. Well, let's, let's do let's that. Let's make a button okay. lamp. Oh, we will. But one thing, okay, we have been throwing some shade at Pa. Yeah. But um, when Mom made that button lamp, Pa came in from, you know, chores or yeah. bringing back straw from the, mm -hmm. how do you say it, slew? The slew? Yes, the slew. And... Um, he saw that button lamp lit up on the table, and he looks at her, and he goes, I'm going to cry. Carolyn, you are a wonder. Yes. So maybe with that line, like, he really did appreciate her. Oh, I think he did appreciate her. I, I have no doubt that he appreciated her, but... But that was so, you know, you are a wonder. Oh, I love that. So, but we also share our favorite scene from this book. This is why we're like kindred spirits, Sharon. Do you? I, I want you. I'm gonna let you well, I, I, explain the scene. Okay, you've got you've got to refresh my memory a little bit. Just you don't remember our favorite scene? Oh, <laughs> how could I forget? Yeah, this is at the sort of toward the beginning of the book, and. Um, no, it's towards the... Just because I've read these well, more. Yeah, well, two-thirds yeah, in. It's, it's two-thirds two in. Two it's two-thirds in. in. And the storms have been Ugh. coming one after another. And pounding. Pounding, pounding, pounding. And at one point, Pa is so frustrated that he raises mm -hmm. his hand to the sky mm -hmm. and he curses. Yeah. And his words are... Oh, what? I wish I remembered the exact words. You, it's just like, you will not defeat us. Yes. yes. That's the yes. summary. Yes. And then Ma goes, Charles. Yes. Don't, he's cursing. Yeah, he, he did do a little bit of cursing. And in the picture that, the illustration that Garth Williams did, Pa's very gaunt. He's very gaunt, and he has sort of a wild black beard. Wild. His hair is wild. And, and his fist is and raised. You know, he looked a little bit like some of us looked about a year ago as the <laughs> pandemic was. <laughs> the COVID beards. I think, I think oh. there were times when I wanted to raise my fist and curse. But. Well, as some self-promotion, remember during the pandemic, Sharon, I started a different blog where I followed along with each chapter oh, of The right. Long Winter. That's right, you did. I don't even remember what the name of that blog is. But it's out there. I'll have to find it. Yep. But, um, yeah, and it's just like they were going to survive. They were. They were. And we actually had t-shirts made for our... <laughs> you did. Our tank tops. Tank tops. We had for our, our sojourn to Pepin mm -hmm. and Walnut Grove and DeSmith, we had matching shirts that had... Shaking our fists shaking at the wind. The, shaking the fist at the storm. That yep. was it. That was the line. Mm -hmm. He shook his fist at the storm. Oh. Yes. We had that line on the front and then we had... You had all our all, stops all on the back, on like the it back. was a tour, yep. like we were hauling oats. Yep, exactly. Oh, so good. I would recommend everyone read The Long Winter. 
It's just a good story. It now is we know that they weren't actually alone. We're, we no. haven't gotten into what was actually yeah. happening. This and is fiction. Be, and they may, that may be an entirely new episode. Yeah. Just talking about Because another family was living with them. Fact versus fiction. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that other family living with them made it actually worse. They were losers. Yeah. Made it really worse. Ugh. But we have to save that. For we have to time. save it. Okay. Save it. All right. So the next book is Little Town on the Prairie. Yes. And um, this is such a sweet book because our Mary mm -hmm. finally gets to go to college. Yep. Yeah. She, the family has saved and saved and saved. Laura has sewn. Um, she was so, she, took that job sewing collars job, on shirts. She took a job in town uh, sewing, and mm -hmm. the family was saving all of their money so that Mary could go to a college for the blind in Iowa. And I did do some research on this, Sharon, and they did get government subsidies, which is mm -hmm. very interesting because Pa did yes. not like that. No, he did not. But he accepted it he for Mary. It, but he did accept it for his daughter. But it's not in the book. Yeah, which, yeah, interesting that, that Laura chose to leave that out. Because, you know, it was a big part of it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, they go to town and they get um, Mary a tin trunk. Right. And Mom makes her, like, beautiful, beautiful clothes. Beautiful clothes so that she looks stylish. She made sure to, like, double check so that Mary Maybe. wouldn't look like a bumpkin. Yes, yes, so she would have... The latest fashions and quotes. I thought that was so sweet. Because she had a little bustle, didn't she? She did. She did a dress with a bustle. Again, I can see that Garth Williams mm -hmm. illustration. Mm -hmm. Can't you? With her, yes, with her clear blue eyes. Clear blue eyes, yes. Yeah, so that was like a highlight. And another yeah. highlight, I like this book because happy things happen. Yes. We yes. needed that after the long winter. Yes, yes, yes. Remember when Ma gets those chicks? Yes, she gets the chicks. Because they didn't have chickens probably since not. Pepin. Yes. So no eggs. No eggs. The only time they would get eggs is if, you know, Pa would trade for them in well, town. Well, Mrs. Boast gave them yeah. this chicken. Yeah. 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 Or the the roost mm -hmm. or whatever. But then <laughs> Laura describes Ma picking each one up and putting it in her apron. apron. Mm-hmm. Oh! And those, chi those chickens, I mean, they were precious. I mean, you have... Laying hens, and then later on, as the hens don't lay any longer, then you have chicken. You have, you have Sunday dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what stands out to you in Little Town on the Prairie? Little Town on the Prairie. I, You know, I think it is the happiness and the relationship mm -hmm. of Alora with her friends. Yes, she has friends, friends now. She has friends. Mary Powers, who lived exactly. right across the street mm -hmm. from her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I loved... Those developing friendships. Well, isn't is this the book where um, Almanzo's sister Eliza? Yes. Oh, we didn't even talk in the long winter about Almanzo saving the town because well, he really yeah, didn't. He did. No, he really didn't. But okay, we'll but put anyway, that in the other. We'll yeah. put that in the other. But but um, yeah, it's little town on the prairie where uh, Almanzo's sister ends up being Laura's teacher. And she's mean. And, you know, this is the first time in Laura's educational career that she has not gotten along with the teacher. Mm -hmm. And Almanzo's sister was really mean. She was nasty. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't keep control of the no, class. And, no, not at all. and Laura was kind of feeding into it because she was sick of it. Yes. Yeah. 
And um, there's that one scene where Carrie's quietly rocking in her desk, oh, peaked, yes. peaked Carrie. Peaked little Carrie. And she doesn't even realize, and Laura realizes it, and she's like, it doesn't matter. She's bothering no one. Yes. And then Mrs. Wilder mm -hmm. yells, Carrie, if you want to rock that desk, you rock that desk. Yes. And so Carrie has to put away her primer mm -hmm. and just rock, rock the, desk. the desk. Poor Pekin. Carrie, who's still recovering from the long winter. I know. It was awful. She was so tiny. I know. And then Laura couldn't stand seeing... This is why we loved Laura. She mm -hmm. couldn't stand to see the injustice of what was happening to Carrie. And she goes, Miss Wilder, you want that desk rocked? I'll rock it. Mm -hmm. So she goes over and she starts rocking it. So it's thump, thump, thump. And um, Miss Wilder sends them both home from yes. school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. So they, they were all meek and mild, and they told Pa and Ma what happened. And mm -hmm. Pa told her, she, Laura, had she had to get it together, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and she did. So mm -hmm. that was the end of that. Okay. So that brings us to the last, well, we're not going to talk about, well, I suppose we should quickly touch on the first four years. Though well, that wasn't, will. Laura didn't have that ready for publication. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. maybe we'll stop after these happy golden years. Mm -hmm. And this is the book that I am listening to now on Audible. It's very good. Um, Sharon, will you uh, describe Mrs. Brewster and what was going on oh. there with the Brewsters? Well, Laura was, she, how old was she when she started teaching? 17. Oh, she was younger than 16. that. 16. Because she was really too young to and be teaching. And they gave her a special license? She got a special license to, to teach. Um, and she hadn't even finished school. You and know, she, she had to keep up with her yeah, studies. Yeah, she uh, was not even done with her own schooling, but um, the teachers were at such a premium at that time that she was given a provisional license, and she had to live away from home. And at that time, uh, she was not 16 years yeah, old yet. I was thinking she was younger. Oh, Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. Even for 15, she for was 15. small. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she had to live in the home of one of her students. No, of the school board member. Of the school board member. Yeah. That's right, Mr. Brewster. And Mr. Brewster's wife... Oh, Mrs. Brewster. She had been on the prairie too long mm -hmm. and in isolation too long, and she had snapped. Yeah. And uh, the, the scene with her in, at night with her nightgown on and her hair down. And, and she has a knife, and she is going to kill Mr. Brewster. She's going to kill Mr. Brewster. She's like, get me out of here. Yeah, Exactly. And Laura's watching all this. You know, yeah. she had a very sheltered life. Padma yes. weren't yeah. acting yeah. like that. Yeah. And but, and she had to to live in this house with this crazy woman. Yeah, and who wouldn't talk. Of, and the rest of the time she wouldn't speak. Yeah. So, and the baby yeah. cried. They had a oh, baby. I know they had and a baby. Laura tried to play with them. And yeah. Mrs. Brewster yelled at her. Right. But Sharon... Who showed up every weekend, every Friday after school, to save Laura from Mrs. Brewster? Almanza Wilder. Yes. In comes Manny. 
Well, so she was 14. How old was he? he? Was, I think he was 11 years older than she was. He was in his 20s. Did I say she was not yet 15? She was not yet. So she was 14? And he well, was, no, he was, she was not yet 16, I think. She, I think is she that what 16. I said? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But he was much older. So he was probably a 20, mm -hmm. 10, 11 years older. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So twenty six. Yeah, yeah. Because he was he was able to to make a claim. Yeah. But you know, I think that Laura was first drawn to him because of his horses. Oh yeah, he would come out in a cutter, yes. not in like a clunky yes. old wagon. Yes, and a pair of matched Morgans. Yes. yes. And I think that's... And a fur lap coat to put yes, over her. Yes. So he would... And it had jingle bells on it. Right. And he would he would take her home mm -hmm. each weekend to spend time with her parents. Even when it was sub-zero, yeah. he would come and take her home. He, and he never didn't show up. Yeah. There but, were times that Laura thought, oh, he won't be able to make it because the weather is so bad. And I'm going to have to spend an entire weekend with that crazy woman. <laughs> She might be chasing Laura well, with see, a knife. Know, I can't imagine Pa letting her go back to that living situation. I don't think she was not honest with what was she going on. Because she wanted, she knew she had to make this money so Mary could go to college. And yeah. her money paid for like the trunk and for Mary's you know, pretty clothes. Laura yeah. did not get pretty clothes from this. I know. I know. She gave it all to Mary. I know. And she always thought Mary was so much kinder than her. Yeah. You know, she certainly sacrificed for her sister. And she was happy to do it. She was. Mm -hmm. So Lauren Almanzo. Yeah. A and budding romance. And it, it just goes on and on with him, yeah. like, yeah. kind of showing up with the horses. And, and mm, yeah. there was one point where he sells the team that um, of the, mm -hmm. the Morgans. The yeah. Morgans. And he gets Mustangs. Mm-hmm. And he comes by in a buggy. Now he has a buggy yeah. to pick up Laura for a Sunday afternoon drive. And like the horses can't even sit, stand still yeah. for her They're to get in. They're not fully broken. They're just... She yeah. has to run and jump into the buggy. Yes. In her long hoop skirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. then Almanzo, there was some episode where he's not in the buggy and she is trying to control these yes. Mustangs. Yes. I mean, this she was what a is tiny happening? woman. She was a tiny woman, and she was just a teenager at this time. Yes, but I think Almanzo loved that about her. Oh, I think so too. You know, they were very taken with each mm -hmm. other. I don't know. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I wish Laura had married Cap Garland. I agree. Cap Garland was much more stable, and he was her age. Yes. Yes. And he had that I, I, the um, Garth Williams illustration where he's jumping up to catch the right, baseball. Right, right, With that oh, smile. Yeah, with that smile. I think Laura's life would have been happier at I, the end. I feel yeah. like Cap stayed in the Dismet area and had like many children and, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. And then Laura could have stayed with, with her, her family. With her family. Because Almanzo eventually took her away from all to of that. To Missouri. Yeah. That's where they ended up. And I think, you know, she saw her parents maybe once or twice again after mm -hmm. they left. Mm -hmm. So. Came back to their funeral. Oh, yeah. Sharon. Yes. So these happy golden years. I mean, they were happy, but they then. Were. 
they were. Oh, in the description of the wedding. Oh, the, the wedding. wedding. That was so sweet. They had a very simple wedding. Yeah. But it was lovely. It was like very Laura, wasn't it? Was it was very Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wore a black dress because she didn't have a That was a her good best dress. dress. It yeah. was her best dress, so she wore a black dress. Ma pinned her brooch to yeah, her neck. Yeah, so sweet. So that she'd have a bit of color on her her best dress. But she had a new poke bonnet. She loved that poke bonnet. You know, <laughs> I think next time we go on a trip, I think we need to get matching poke bonnets. We need the poke bonnets. I, we'll rock those poke bonnets. Yeah, I can't wait. <sighs> okay, so that gets us through all the books. So, um, oh my gosh. Um, so... Sharon, this is a difficult question, and I'm sad what how I'm going to answer it, but is are these books still relevant to kids today? Well, <laughs> you know, my girls are grown now. Yeah. I've got one who's in her late 30s, and I've got two that are in their mid and late 20s. I tried reading these books to my girls. Yeah, and you're a good read out louder. I, and I love to read out loud. And I, you know, I read Little House in the Big Woods. And then, you know, I... Mm-hmm. I farmer Boy. I, yeah, Farmer Boy. I got to the banks of Plum Creek. <laughs> and finally, my, my middle daughter, Joe looked at me one night and said, Do we really have to... <laughs> read about this girl Laura anymore oh dagger dagger in the heart yeah dagger in the heart so I don't know my kids had no interest in it I think I did read some to Lulu but she, she didn't care yeah the um description that we find so fascinating it's tedious mm-hmm and there's like lots of really good middle grade books for kids to read there are there are so it breaks my, I, I don't feel, and there's lots of like problematic things. There's there more are. than what we just yeah, brought about. Yeah, there definitely brought are out with problematic issues. But, you know, I am not one to say that we should, you know, certainly never ban a book because no. of a problematic issue. I think we have to take it in historical context. But maybe those books, they've, they've had their time. It was a good run. There's a, there's a group of us that... Are diehard fans. We're diehards. And we're still <laughs> planning our trips because we are going to see Paz Fiddle That's in the Mecca. That's the Mecca. Okay, Sharon, before we sign off, TV show or not? Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, Michael 100% Land. no. Oh gosh, that was... That was that, blasphemy. That, it was blasphemy. It was blasphemy. Remember how shocked we were when we went to Pepin, which is the site of, of the first book? Yeah. And they had the television show playing on a continuous loop in the museum. Well, I would say half of the museum was to that stupid show, so, yeah. like tin lunchboxes with yes, Michael Landon's exactly, face. Exactly. exactly. Nothing yeah. was right. No, nothing was right. And I'm telling you, the real pa would not have been plowing his field with his shirt off and his bronzed pecs flexing. It would not have happened. Michael Landon. Oh. I mean, he took over the whole show, oh, right? He, he was the producer. Yeah. It was just outlandish it what was, was going it on. It was outlandish, yes. Yeah, and 
a lot of people, Sharon, will tell me, you know, when we bring up, I bring up Laura Ingalls. I don't think anyone ever brings her up mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. But they'll be like, I love that show. And oh, it's I like, know. I know. like they kind of go, like, I don't want to talk to them anymore. Yeah. I, well, I, I, that's a different kind of Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah, we're purists. We're purists. And it's okay to like the show, but, yes, you know. But that's sort of. That's tainted. I don't know. Like, I like Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, because I was just all made up. You know, it was like the same thing. There you go. There you go. Just make it up. Don't exactly. don't put Laura's name on yeah, it. Don't, yeah, just call it something else. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Sharon. And I hope you will join me for some more um, Little House Laura Ingalls Wilder discussions. Squeeze. <laughs>